Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Welcome, everybody. Today on the Josh Bolton Show, we have Rick Highland on, a business and coach, um, also a writer and recently retired and very well experienced in the consulting industry. Here he is, Rick Highland. Hey, Josh. Great to be with you today. It's a pleasure, Rick. So where are you from, first of all? So I was born and raised in a little a little place I like to call L.A., Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. So not the L.A. you were thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I want to say the one thirty miles ahead of me. <laughs> so I was raised in Canada, did my MBA out, out east, and then for the last 23 years, we've been in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we've raised our kids here and... Now we, you know, I have six kids and 15 grandkids. And so it's a big, uh, big event every time we get together, including, uh, in a couple of days for Easter. So yeah, we've been in Salt Lake for 23 years. Wow. Are there any good food spots in Salt Lake that people don't know about? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I'm a recent convert as in the last 15 years to sushi and there's some amazing sushi spots. It's, it's really surprising because, you know, we, we were just in Hawaii a few weeks ago and of course there's fresh, amazing sushi and fresh fish. And it's awesome. Right. But for an inland place like Salt Lake, they actually really do have some really good sushi spots. So that's impressive. Yeah. I went to Texas two years ago and everyone there's appalled that there's Chinese food. I'm like, man, you guys are about to get the best food of your life. Now, the only thing that's missing is Thai food. And then you're in heaven. Yeah. I'm actually a big Thai food lover as well. So yeah, I, I say amen to that. Yeah, and it's just funny. They're all like they're in, they're encroaching on our our land. I'm like, you don't own that. <laughs> like, stop saying our land, kind of thing. But um, so you were mentioning before we hit the record button about your consulting. Um, the you were working for a consultant firm that was small and became big. Can you tell me the up and coming story for that? Uh well, I, there's a couple angles I could share on that that might be helpful to the listeners. I think. Maybe one, Josh, is how I got into it and then, you know, what happened and what we did. So I'll try to speed this story up, but it's uh, really central to the book I wrote on called Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step guide to living your best life. And when I was 26 years old, I went to do an MBA and moved my family. Uh, Cheryl and I had two young kids, Brett and Nicole at the time. I think they were four and two or something like that. And we moved across the country and away from friends and I was the youngest person in an MBA program. And so anyhow, I knew I had to work hard and, and kind of learn fast on the go. And we got into um, a couple of months, actually probably a month and a half and the first big test. And I got it back and I was one of the lowest grades in the class. And I had worked hard. And um, that was pretty a little mini crisis of, of uh, faith and hope and uh, mm-hmm. what had I done. And so I remember authors like Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talking about this principle called begin with the end in mind and about mission statements. And I use the term purpose and mission statement interchangeably. But um, so I told Cheryl that weekend after coming home and being devastated for the night and waking up Saturday morning, I'm going to go to our unfinished basement. I'm going to just work. I'm going to get a table and a chair down there and I'm going to develop my mission statement. I got to figure out what I want to do. And um, so I did. And uh, I articulated, it was probably uh, 30, the first version was 30 words, articulated who I wanted to be and what I think I was good at, and therefore 
uh, kind of, you know, help me be and, and look for to be successful and happy. And um, I don't remember any bells flashing or, you know, big revelations or anything, but I met, I felt good about it. Uh, got back on the horse Monday morning and, and um, I wasn't anywhere near the valedictorian, but did better uh, in the MBA program, but it came to the end of the MBA program. And um, this little consulting firm uh, came called RLG International out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, but they were about 28 people, I think it was. And, and um, it was really intriguing, Josh, because it was the, in their advertisement, it was the same words that I had written in my mission statement. And it was things like, you know, all about continuous improvement, all about helping your clients get better, how, all about bottom line results, all of, you know, and so it was this, wow, I went home and told Cheryl, I applied for my job today. So anyhow, a couple of days later, I get back and I'm not even, I didn't even make the, uh, the interview list. So, uh, so that afternoon, before I could throw a major pity party, I called the rec- head recruiter in the head office in Vancouver. And I said, Hey, uh, I think you made a mistake. And they go, Whoa, what? <laughs> Tell me what your name is. Oh, it's Rick Highland. Well, okay. Let me look at your resume. Oh, Rick, you're, you're a little young and you're a little inexperienced, but I really like your enthusiasm. And so I, I had nothing to lose Josh. So I told him about this purpose statement. And I thought, you know, this is exactly the type of job and the type of difference that I want to make. Mm-hmm. I'm all about continuous improvement. And they said, okay, put your name in this is for the internet, right? So put your name on the list. You're number 11, five o'clock in the afternoon. You're the last interview. So bottom line, I was the only one that got the job. And um, uh, make a long story short, I had a marvelous 32-year career. We grew it to about 240 people worldwide. And, um, uh, I retired as the COO of us opera or America, uh, the American operations. So us, Canada, uh, et cetera. So anyhow, um, part of the reason for that was cause I was crystal clear in that purpose statement on what I wanted and who I wanted to be. So, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. The consulting we did was on-site performance improvement. So we would go on in big industry and help them in their plants and their manufacturing sites all over the world, help different clients go on, work with the team and help them improve performance by really basic and simple principles of goal setting, action plan, teamwork, engagement, and some of the foundational kind of teamwork and leadership principles that an organization should be doing. But sometimes they get so busy uh, that they don't always. So that's kind of the the story of how I got into it. and. Um, how I finished up. That's awesome. So actually, I've been curious. I've always wanted to ask a CEO or a former COO, what's the difference of a CEO and your... Okay. So basically operating officer, I reported to the CEO was over the whole company and I was over operations, meaning he, the finance guy reported to the CEO, um, the admin people, but the operations people reported through me. So the other functions were still reporting to the CEO, chief executive officer. So you were more like you were the final filter. If like a factory's caught on fire, you try to put out the fire, but ultimately if it's too much, you, you have to tell the big guy and be like, so shit hit the fan kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I guess. But anything like in the consulting, what you're doing is you're engaging with the, all your clients worldwide and so you've promised when you sold the business to them to make a four to one return in investment on working in this plant. And so you got to assign the people. And so that's all operations in the consulting side. 
So then you had, a, I believe, from what I remember from the hierarchy structure, you had multiple district managers and managers beneath you. You were in charge of kind of thing. Yeah. So they were called business unit leaders in my case. And then they reporting to them was team leaders. So yeah, you, you're basically delivering on all selling and delivering on your work promises. That's impressive. And I would assume it's a mildly stressful job. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, my personal journey, you know, as I talked about uh, the first part of the book is how to develop purpose and not just that it's important. I cite all the research and then how, and then the second part is how to connect goals to that purpose, which organizations and or individuals need to do. Um, and then the last part of the book is really about how to handle setbacks, how to handle stress, how to handle when expectations aren't met. Like there's a lot of people that have very high expectations and are super hard to work with or are very unhappy because they don't know how to handle the stress. So I'm a bit of a novice in that area. I've studied a lot and read a lot the last 15 to 20 years. Um, but I think what I've tried to do in this book, Josh, is you know there's a lot of authors out there that say, have high expectations, have big goals, big, hairy, audacious goal, BHAG, go out there and dream big, accomplish it. And then what I'm going to call the Eastern philosophies of, you know what? excuse me, accept what is, be mindful, you know, stay present to the present moment rather than always wanting something differently, which can drive you crazy. And so in the book that I would try to do is bring those two pieces together and say, this is how, so there's two, if you ask me the question, what's out of all the business and self-help books that's written, what's different about this book? And I would answer it two ways. One, uh, I've articulated the how of purpose. And I don't think you'll find that anywhere else. Seven questions over seven days that takes approximately seven hours, triple seven process that you too can have your clear purpose to live by articulated. And then the second part is it connects the, the ideas of big goals, big ambitions, kind of the Western ideals. And then it connects the stress management principles or the mindfulness principles on, okay, yeah, I've set this big goal, but then how? What happens if I only hit 50% of that, 60% right. of that? You know, how do I still stay happy, stay focused? I mean, Josh, depression, uh, you know, not just COVID, but in our country is rampant and discouragement and people giving up on their passions and dreams and goals. And so how do we help people do both in business and in life, both dream big and actually accomplish it? And to accomplish it, you need some of these stress management principles in your toolkit in order to stay happy and successful. You touched on so much that I was just thinking of eventually getting you to say, so this is going to be an interesting interview. Um, so your first one you were talking about is the Eastern think of the now the present and then the Western. So I forgot the author's name is the 10 X rule. Uh, which part on oh, 10 X on uh, a book? book? The no, the book uh, where it's like set your goal, whatever it is. If you want to go to moon, 10 exit, you're going to Mars, kind of thing, right? That ideal is out there. Jack Canfield writes about it, Tony Robbins writes about it. I don't know if that's exactly who you're talking about, but yeah, um, there's a lot of people that say set their goals as 10x and are very unhappy, or the wake, or they destroy people in their wake to get to 10x. So, how do we be both happy 
enjoyable to work with and successful. That's the goal. That's that is really the goal because everyone thinks if you want to be successful, you got to step on everyone and take everyone's money. But then it's like if you step on everyone, who are you going to take your money from then? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before the show, but the book that Clayton Christensen wrote, he's a Harvard MBA professor uh, called How to Measure Your Life. And he talked about case study after case study of executives coming back 20 years after Harvard and being captains of industry and making lots of money, but not happy. Uh, The case he actually shared in the book was uh, an individual on his uh, third wife and estranged from his kids. So how do we live this balanced, sustainable approach to success and happiness? That's that's what I'm trying. That's the message I'm trying to get out there. Yes. So then let's go right into the Eastern philosophy because that's what I've actually, I've recently been okay. embellishing in. Uh, strangely, through really, have you heard of the book, The Gulag Archipelago? No. Uh, very depressing, but it, it just goes okay. very deep into the mindset and how far a human can go um, during the terrible time of the, the red regime of Stalin and Lenin. Okay. Uh, this guy apparently they did. He was explains the whole thing. It's like literally ten chapters explain the history. The nerd ten to explain his life. The nerd ten after that, and it's like. <sighs> but what he goes into is exactly set your expectations realistic. He said the moment I realized I was being arrested, he said, I told myself I am not whoever before. I am now a unit. I will do my time and I will leave. Kind of thing. And he said, that is the only reason I even survived is because I realistically changed my mind kind of thing. Well, yeah, there's a great book um, about um, Auschwitz. Uh, Victor Frankl is the author, and he was a survivor of Auschwitz. And he talked about how during the brutal experiences of cold and hunger and deprivation in the these uh, prisoner of war camps, that you know when a, a somebody was giving up their life when they smoked their last cigarette, and you knew they, they they'd given up and that they were close to passing out, passing away. And then he talked about how he survived this horrible experience, and um, he talked about having a vision or a purpose or mission. Right. Two things. One, he thought about being with his wife again, and second. He thought he saw himself in a warm, well-lit lecture theater talking about the psychology of the concentration camps. And that's envisioning yourself in a different place, in a different way. And that hope, that vision uh, allowed him to live and thrive. In fact, he counseled so many people in the concentration camps and, and then had a very successful career afterwards but yeah he's one of the famous examples of this idea of envisioning yourself in the future rather than getting stuck on the past or where you're at today yeah and that that's what i've been picking up from the one i'm reading he uh he compiled over the 20 different survivors so probably he was the frank one was in there too but uh yeah it's from that depressing situation is that he gives very subtle meta jokes like uh, hence, like, just set realistic expectations. Be happy with what you have. Like he was, he said something like he was just happy to have a cot instead of sleeping on the asphalt floor. And I'm thinking, us, if we got stuck in that, it'd be like, 
where's my mattress with the springs and the softs? Like, why are you happy with just a wooden cot kind of thing? Yeah, you know, there's, but there's some of us that doesn't come to us very naturally, right? In our Western culture, we're all about, you know, uh, gaining, Mm -hmm. uh, accomplishing. Um, and, um, And so it's helpful to have a couple tools in your tool belt when you're trying to be uh, more satisfied, happy, and progressing towards your goal um, rather than an overnight success story. And one of those habits or practices, and many authors have talked about it, but is just the practice of gratitude. If you just focus on what you have versus what you have not, you will stay in a mental framework that's both happy and setting yourself up for success. Because think of the person that does not um, have gratitude in their heart and they're always focusing on what they haven't or what's missing or where they're still going, they're chronically unhappy. But think of the person who still has dreams and ambitions and direction, but focuses every day on what they did do or what they did accomplish or the connections they did make. And so to develop this idea of gratitude for some of us is critical. My wife, for example, does it naturally. She is naturally a positive person that we can have be having a downer discussion and say, well, it's raining all day and it's a gloomy day. Well, at least the flowers will grow. You know, so she always finding the positive where somebody like me and many others, we need to develop that practice mentally. And so one of the suggestions I make to people to stay present, to stay focused on progress or what's going well versus what's not going well is just build a gratitude list every day. Start first thing out of the gate, write down a gratitude list, write five things, three things, 10 things, doesn't matter down in your journal. In fact, Josh, on my website, I actually have, and I want to talk about at the end, absolutely some some giveaways, but uh, to your listeners, but um, we just published a CI for life journal that has the first page is purpose. The second page is goals. The third page is action plans for those goals. And then every day after that, the left-hand side is gratitude and learning. And the right-hand side is plan of the day. So it's got in each day, uh, it's a 300-page journal. Each day on the left-hand side has got your opportunity before you plan your day to start your day with gratitude, to focus on what you did get done in your relationships, in your business, in your et cetera. It just completely changes your paradigm by building this muscle. It's a little bit like exercise. It takes practice. You have to build and tone in order for you to really feel the benefit. The first time you exercise, you didn't feel amazing, right? You felt stiff. In fact, it it was horrible. First day at football camp. Um, But after a while, you were building capacity and capability. And that's what this idea is, is um, if, you know, people uh, that want to shoot for the moon and accomplish great things, remember to still focus every day on what you do have and you allow yourself to be more happy and present as you reach for the stars. I totally agree with that. There's, um, I believe there's a billionaire in Japan actual us billion dollars worth and that's what he does but every day he does a thousand things he's grateful for wow yeah that would take all day <laughs> seriously i know it's just sat there and i'm like wow <laughs> first of all I'm like do i have to be grateful that the sun's up do i have to be grateful that there's clean air and sitting there like i listed a hundred things i'm like 
oh, so even the smallest thing you're supposed to do kind of thing. Okay. You know, and how this shows up in leadership, Josh, is that if, if, a, if a conscious leader is focusing on what they have accomplished both personally and maybe as a team or a business, they're going to be more easy to engage, easy to uh, discuss, easier on their employees. Not easier isn't the right word, but their employee, they'll inspire. You go into your meeting and you're focusing on what uh, happened well yesterday versus just you've missed the shipment or missed your goal. You're going to be a lot easier person to deal with. Yes, you you eventually want to get to why did we why did we have quality errors yesterday? But if you start every meeting with what you and everybody is grateful for, what happened well yesterday, it opens up people to discuss the hard things, the the things that people don't always want to bring up in front of the boss. So, to be vulnerable and approachable, uh, and to have your employees, you know, tell the truth. Start your meetings with gratitude. Start your meetings with what went well. And not just you talking, but go around the table and have everybody mention one thing from last week or yesterday that went well. You'll find the tone and the culture of the company will change. Absolutely. That's actually, so you you hit on something I wanted to tie back to um, is disappointment. So is that one of your many tactics that you have learned, but also talked about in your book? Yeah. So there's a couple of tactics in there. The first one is gratitude. Focus on what went well. Focus on uh, recognizing compassion for yourself and others. And so the example of doing it individually, but I'm also encouraging anybody in in a leadership position of whatever size business to to use this practice in life. The second one um, that I'd like to just mention, another tool in the toolkit, and this ties in the Eastern philosophies of mindfulness, is just getting really quiet. Let's call it 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. And there's some great apps. There's some, you could do it on your own, whatever you're, you're fancy, but getting super quiet and, and listen carefully and breathe deeply. In fact, uh, if, if that's too much for you, try this thing. Next time you're going from meeting to meeting and harried or transitioning from work to home and family, whatever it might be, try 10 deep breaths. <laughs> deep cleansing breaths to reset your paradigm, to reset your mind. I know it, when I came home with a young family, that was a tactic I had to use, right? From a busy, stressful day, 10 cleansing deep breaths to reset your mindset of now, okay, now I have to be for my family, for my wife, for my... So yeah, there, that that's another tool. You could do that from meeting to meeting. What if you just had a very stressful quarterly review with your board or your investment group. And now you got to go, do you want to just transfer that all on your employees? Or do you want to reset a little bit with 10 cleansing breaths? So that idea or that tactic of 10 minute meditation in the morning or evening, or just a 10 breath reset in between activities can really slow you down and, and get you to act out of your values versus act out of emotion. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. You want to when you're stressed, you're most most times we're acting out of emotion. We're where our boss just laid into us. Now I'm going to go lay into the employees. No, that's not how it should be. That's not how we really want to show up. So these ideas of mindfulness and meditation and breath work are very powerful to reset you and get you in the right framework so that you can show up more consciously. You can show up with more um 
presence to the given moment instead of dragging in what happened at home or the last stressful meeting, you know, get, get clear, get present and reset. Absolutely. That's one thing. Uh, um, so I was reading the book, thinking fast and slow. Yep. And that's one thing he recommended. And I actually got to that chapter, ironically, through a series of unfortunate events, there's a coworker. Uh, we all have them. There's the one that she just absolutely <laughs> just, she walks in the room, everything positive dies in the room. Right. And that's her. And essentially, um, I, when I, once I heard that chapter, I did, I just in front of her, I didn't care. I just started going, I kind of thing. And she just kept yipping away. And uh, finally, I just kind of look up and awkwardly said out loud. I'm like, well, what was I angry about again? Yeah. She's like, you were listening to me. I'm like, was I? I don't remember. Great. Great and that's where she, she finally walked away. And that's where I just I did one more time to fully reset. Um, it was just like, wow, that was like the key right there kind of thing. Great so, example. It really is. And it's just that it truly is applicable to anyone. There's always that one person, guy or gal, that just comes in and ruins everything. Yeah. And, and that's where it's really good um, if you're the team leader or to ask your team leader to start every meeting with the positives and force her into the culture of. But it's even more powerful, as you said, to be able to be in control of your own mindset. And don't let her carry your weather. Don't let her create the weather around in the office. You create your own weather. You, you're going to make it with your mental mindset approach, a sunny day versus a cloudy day. And if it's cr- cloudy, like your wife says, there's going to be flowers later on. <laughs> That's right. The grass will be green. We need it. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Good point. Just think, but I'm just looking at this sad, cold weather, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then... Um, I want to go into another part of your chapter that you were um, with the we've touched on it a few times is the okay. the Eastern philosophy, but I also heard a bit of a, a religious aspect to this too. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I, I tell you where it fits in nicely is I'm a big believer in balanced, sustainable goals, okay. uh, and that to be truly happy, you have to be connected to your emotional and spiritual self, and that that you know okay that's probably whatever I did. Yeah. And so that when I'm, I recommend when you're setting goals to set, you know, physical and health, spiritual, emotional, financial and work and have a balanced set of categories so that you can show up. Because if you're not conscious uh, and and um, have the ability to control or manage your emotions uh, or connected, um, you're not going to be as effective as you want to in your relationships at work, at home, wherever. So yeah, I'm a big believer in setting and, and meditation is a spiritual practice, if you will, in that you're mm-hmm. connecting with yourself with, and if you believe in a Supreme being, you're collect, connecting to a Supreme being. So, uh, journaling, if you will, is, can be a terrific spiritual and emotional, uh, strengthening process to both understand where you're at. And, but no, I love it. And we recommend all clients to set balanced set of goals in all of those categories, not just financial. In fact, that gets me on one of my other pet peeves. I have never, in all the success I've had in business, set a financial goal, meaning I'm going to earn a million dollars this year. Interesting. I have set activities and goals that can get me that money and have, but I have never uh, anticipated or tracked my uh, salary bonus 
dividends and know exactly how much I I'm going to make this upcoming year. Of course, I know it once it received, but if you, and this is one of the keys to goal setting. This is why, I mean, there's great stats out there, Josh, only 20% of people and companies accomplish their goals, all their goals. There's so many learnings in there. One of them we've already talked about having a balanced set of goals, but the other one is uh, this idea of making it specific and measurable. And, um, have you heard the term leading or lagging indicators before or process or outcome or result indicators? Yes, I have at least. So, uh, and for the listeners, the idea, uh, an end result indicator or a lagging indicator or lagging goal is earn a million dollars. So the real magic is not setting that intention that there is some power to that, some 10 or 20% power just to focus your mind. The real magic is pinpointing the leading indicators, activities that will help you earn that million dollars. So in the consulting business, in my case, it's time with clients, signing up new clients, it's delivery for new clients. If you focus on those three activities, you're going to be wildly successful and do well. So I set my goals in those categories and the finances came. So in your career, pinpoint the right indicators, the right activities to get to your financial success. Because everyone wants to be financially independent, financially successful, you know, whether that's, you know, earning 10,000 or a million or whatever it might be. But that's not the magic in my mind. The magic is pinpointing and focusing on the activities in measurable terms. They're going to help you get to that lagging result. Just like weight law. I don't believe setting, okay, well, my intention is to lose 20 pounds this year. Okay, that's good. But the real magic is, what is it that you're going to do about it? Track that, set goals with that, review that with accountability partner. Then you're going to be successful at what you do. Absolutely. Uh, just going into the fitness aspect, because um, at my work, everyone, when the, we were allowed to go to the gym, so I think I am now with, uh, in California, but uh, they're like, why are you paying so much money? I'm like, well, let's put it this way. I know I can pay $60 and get two very nice fancy steak meals, like depending on where I go, or I pay $60 and I'm going to damn earn my money and go pretty much every day. Said, so there's the instant or the delayed. Said, it's, it's also oh, just like painful. That. So, you know, and one thing you can trick your mind on it because we do live in an instant gratification world. And uh, some of us believe that that's not all that great. But what you can trick yourself with is, okay, let me set a goal to, um, like, I, I, I got to, in my daily plan is to work out today. I, I've got instant gratification. I got a great workout. Mm-hmm. Now that's ending towards something big and powerful down the road. But yes, I got instant gratification. I got an amazing workout. <laughs> right. But if you focus on, well, I didn't lose, you know, a pound today you're going to be a very frustrated uh, guy. So that's another point, like why I say spend less time focusing on the end result you want and more time focusing on those activities that you have to do well to be successful and get instant gratification from those. Oh my gosh. You know, one of my indicators to get my message out is number of podcast interviews. So this is amazing. This is, this is, this is my main goal. How do I reach millions with my message right now? with Josh Bolton. It's amazing. So uh, this, this will be a great day and is because I hit one of my leading indicators. Now, will that help me on the lagging result to reach millions? We'll see. But I know that the best, best opportunity to hit 
and reach millions with my message is to start one interview at a time. It is. That's uh, my Morris Lurch instructor says that because uh, he's a very successful entrepreneur. He's a brilliant marketer. Um, literally could sell rice to uh, someone, <laughs> uh, anyone really. Um, but that's the one thing he said. What's the, he said, the best way to, how do you best eat an elephant? I'm like, uh, well, you cut it up into little segments. He's like, nope, one bite at a time. Okay, well, I got a story for you on this one. Uh, Dr. Bob Maurer, who I've interviewed on my podcast, CI for Life, or Continuous Improvement for Life. Um, uh, Dr. Bob Maurer, I came across his book. It's it's uh, um, it, Why it approached me is it it's, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's basically something like Achieving Your Goals One Small Step at a Time, the Kaizen Way, which Kaizen is Continuous Improvement in Business, Demaic, Seven Step, Problem Solving and a highly engagement and start small. And that's his whole message. And there's an incredible story in there. And that he's, and then I've heard him tell, and I actually said it in the book too. I'm so fascinated by it. And such an important principle for goal accomplishment for people and or organizations to your point on the elephant. He says, I was in a teaching hospital. I was an inter, you know, I was, I had the intern in the office patient, let's call her Debbie um, and himself. And he's supposed to be helping this intern coach, health and, and Debbie has been coming in regularly, bad health, overweight, anxiety, stress, um, and um, not making any progress on the things the doctor had asked her to do. You got to lose weight. You got to exercise. You've got to take care of yourself. Your blood pressure is going up, blah, blah, blah. So Bob gets this idea. He goes through this Kaizen idea, one small step, one bite at a time. And he says, Debbie, do you watch TV at night when you're you rely after the kids go to bed to try to unwind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my favorite shows. Okay. What about tonight and every night till you come in again during one commercial of your favorite show, stand up and do jumping jacks for that one commercial or walk in the spot or run in the spot. Anyone, do you think you could do that just for one commercial? Right. I'm not asking for a miracle. Debbie says, okay, I can do that. But it was so overwhelming to her to get the 20 pounds but when doctor when he broke it down into one small step she comes back the next week i did it don't worry you know no big weight change no big health change still you know high blood pressure etc so bob says okay now i want you to come back in 2 weeks and what if during one 30 minute show you exercised or which one did you like better? I like jumping jacks better. It was good. If you did jumping jacks, you get the story, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually she started uh, running short distances and then long distance, lost her 20 pounds, blood pressure goes down, success story. But it all starts with, because this is, you know, this is what they don't teach you when you're setting this big, hairy, audacious goal. You can overwhelm the limbic system. You can overwhelm your team. You can mm -hmm. overwhelm yourself with that big, scary, audacious goal. But if you break it down into one small step, all of a sudden that fight or flight syndrome in, in your brain relaxes and allows you to start, right? Call it a mini goal. Call it, I mean, I've heard uh, people tell the story of that we're trying to get into exercise, walking or running. And he said, you know, and they're having a hard time. It was just frozen up. There are a lot of, you know, different reasons why. And they set a mini goal to, okay. Success this week is to go outside with my gym clothes on. That's it. And if I don't have time to run, run or whatever, all success is for five days, when I get out of bed and organizing myself up, I'm just going to get dressed and walk outside the door. And you know what? 
four out of the five days, that's all he did was get up, get dressed, kept that little commitment to himself. And the one day he got out, he found the time, he was relaxed enough, he got and started running and he develops this running habit. So start with mini goals, start with small steps, start with one bite. That's another reason why people are not successful at accomplishing their goals. They don't pinpoint the little step, the mini step to allow them to get going on their goal. 100%. Yeah. Um, what I was alluded to earlier with the uh, workout and my martial arts instructor is when I went to the gym, I was like, I want to lose specifically 25 pounds of fat because I was a big boy. I'm still a little bigger, but so I was sitting there and I watched the weight and I even paid like an extra 10 bucks a week and went to this fancy ass scale that would read my percentage of body fat everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, and nothing worked. And one of the guys just said, you're looking at the wrong goal. He said, you, he's like, why don't you just focus on pure strength? Things you can actually measure. He's like, what's your deadlift? I'm like, Oh, currently it's about like 190. He's like, okay come back in two weeks. You're like, this session's free. Make it to 20. Eat more if you have to kind of thing. Don't worry about it. And it was the one of those, I beat it by an like 30 pounds. So he's like, focus on this. This works for you. The body fat will go away later kind of thing. That's a great story of I pinpointing the right leading indicator, the right small step to focus your brain on, to feel some success, right? Okay. Well, I did 190. Now, you know, this, today I did 200. That's amazing. Have I lost any weight yet? No. Has my BMI reduced? No. But you keep doing that and maybe adding one more leading indicator uh, around, you know, consumption on the food. Cause I think, especially the older you get, you have to do both, right? I remember yeah. you know, when I was younger, you could just exercise and it was all good. Eat like two but, burgers and you're good for the day. Right. Right. You get your workout and you're fine. Your, uh, your teen burger or your Big Mac or whatever. But, um, so yeah, that is a great example of focusing on a leading indicator that you can get some success on and some movement on, and then let's head towards that goal. So for you, um, you were talking about the correlation with the small steps, uh, actually I didn't write even down, I forgot that goal. Um, the, with the setting, the small steps for a business. So with the indicators, that was it and activities. So yep. you chose activity was your measurable action. Let's yep. say someone who has not been in your position, but aspires to at least get up to the C-suite. How would they map out their next 10 years kind of thing? Or is that too too unrealistic as they're setting no. a financial goal? No, no. I think that that's good. It's good to have big dreams and big ambitions. And then you got to break it down into small measurable goals. What can I do now? Okay. Maybe I can have one lunch per week, per month with a C-suite executive and ask them their success. People love to tell their story, right? Yes. They, You ask them and, oh, I can't ask a C-suite guy to have lunch with me. I don't know him that well. Okay. Well, what if you got in their calendar for 10 minutes and asked them, maybe a relationship with foreign. So this whole networking mentoring idea is a classic. It's within your control and it's a small step and, and map and, and find out what did they do to be successful? Because there's lots of ways to get there, right? Yes. But learn, be curious, be open and, and be courageous to say, hey, can I get 10 minutes for coffee on your schedule or for your favorite diet Coke or whatever? I'd love to pick your brain on a mentoring topic of how you were successful. I'm sure, you know, and, and people love to do that. But that's a great example of 
something you can do, a small step to start heading that direction. You know, in a consulting business, in mine, it was actually time with other client C-suite leaders. How can I have meaningful 20 C-suite meals, integrations, meetings, connections each month? And I know if I can do that, I'm going to be able to grow my consulting practice. But so it just goes back to that same principle, right? And if you're first starting out and you're a 25-year-old out of grad school and you see, I want to be a, you know, well, then have a networking lunch every two weeks. And, and if they won't give you a whole 45 minutes in the cafeteria, ask for 10 for coffee or your favorite Diet Coke and have that discussion. But that's, a, that's an example of the leading indicator. Yes, that's a very good one. That, that's one I wish I knew I was younger. It's just the networking. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually networking before you need them, right? Because people don't like, I get messaged on Facebook all the time. Like, oh yeah, I want to do this for you. I want to do that for you. I don't even know him from Adam. And uh, there's no warm connection. But if you've already built warm connections with your network, then when you actually need something, a favor or an ask, people are going to, you know, particularly if you've asked them to your story and you've you've been uh, generous and complimentary in your insights about why they were successful, you can be able to ask, you know, even C-suite executives, if you've honored them and recognized and been uh, managed their time or careful with their time, when you do need an ask, a reference, a referral, uh, whatever, you've warmed that connection. But man, do not, I don't know anybody that DMing on Facebook when you don't even know them, when you've just had a yes to a friendship connection and all of a sudden you're asking for something, uh, that rarely works. But anyhow, there yeah. and the, the best ones do know how to make warm connections, right? That's what all these online business people are doing through different various forms and is is trying to warm the connection. And that that's a that's a true principle right there. Whether you're an online business or um, you know, at work or in your family. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely one where uh, I always thought it was silly for people who don't even know the the executive and is asking them for whatever position within the company. It's like, first of all, you're not even an employee there. Secondly, maybe they have like a grander plan and you don't fit that right now because you're, like you said, you're, you're not lukewarm. You're not room temperature. I don't know you. You could be a hostile threat kind of thing. Um, but it's just the audacity to say, Hey, just cause you click this button. I want my instant uh, dopamine hit. Can you get me in? Right. It's just, for the ego, even a humble ego, it's like, all you're telling me is you're going to take, take, take and never give to me kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if going back to the online community, cause that's something I'm starting the last 18 months. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, like some of their work or some of their comments or some of their podcasts or some start there. And so they can start to see you, Hey, Hey, you know, Rick really likes my stuff. He's, he's been engaged. He's made comments. And now a couple of months later, he's asking for 10 minutes of my time to share a couple ideas. Okay, maybe I'm going to, you know, listen. But the same thing is, is true when you're in an office building with 200 people is, uh, you know, building relationships, the warm connections are, it's a true principle, whether it's online or face-to-face. It really is. And so actually, I want your perspective because you've seen the growth and lineage of it and how it plays out. 
is an online presence as important to be achieve something like your position or is just as simple as it a very good LinkedIn profile and you're good to go kind of thing? Well, I, yeah, I'm an interesting one to ask. So I'm turning 60 this year and I'm 32 years in business. And all I had was my LinkedIn profile and, um, uh, and I had to, you know, connect and, and work with clients and, uh, that worked very well for me. Uh, and then I started uh, my own podcast two, two and a half years ago now. And, and by the way, it just got on listen notes. It just got top 5% of all the podcasts for and your so that was, niche. Yeah. That's for, awesome. For, continues. Well, no, that's actually total. So what a listen notes ranks is 2 million podcasts. And uh, I think it goes to Apple and Google and, and some of the majors. And I'm not sure how they exactly measure it, but they'll show you if you're in their top 10, top five, top 1%, top half percent. So, um, but yeah, I, I never really previously needed an online to uh, connect. You know, there's conferences, there's committees, there's different things to interact with C-suite. But more and more today, I'm noticing that, um, and the C-suite people are very busy. They don't always listen to a ton of podcasts. But uh, I think today, the way we're going is there's an increased need to have a social presence that wasn't there even five, 10 years ago. It really um, isn't. Yeah. So yeah, to have my success, the short answer is all I had is a LinkedIn. And then the last couple of years, I'm figuring out, you know what, if I want to reach, instead of working with 40 or 50 clients, if I want to reach hundreds of thousands of people, I need, I need some kind of social presence. So I'm learning all that the last couple of years. I'm, I'm learning it too. So you're not alone. Uh, what, one of the guests I had on, uh, he's like, yeah, I did some work, like research on you, just quick homework. He's like, you have no social media presence. I'm like, well, I do. I just don't, I'm not active on it. He's like, you might want to fix that later. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. And, and, and it's the same thing, right? You need the connections, you need the presence. And then, well, how do I warm the listeners up that I'm a trusted, credible voice? Cause I think it'll, it'll help your podcast as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a big believer now, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially with 2020 pushing everyone online and getting used to being more isolated. It's now more than ever, more important to have a presence. Yep. So I want to go into, um, you were talking about the goal planning itself and, the um, your, your website. So let's go into the website. Uh, what do you offer there in the different, um, you said a giveaway too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just re redid my website and on there, they've got my coaching services to help for individual or business performance. It's got, um, a course on teachable, uh, for 59.99, you 10 professionally done videos. It's actually workshop based where you'll go through your, I'll teach the importance of purpose and how to do it. And then you stop the video or complete that video, do your purpose, and then you come back and then we're working on lagging indicators and then leading indicators. And then, then your operating rhythm or business cadence that you should have in order to accomplish your goals. And, and I take them right through the whole process on how to improve performance for a small business. So that's up there. The books up there, uh, the CI for life journal. And that's what I, the first five people that message me on Facebook and it's Rick Highland, H E Y looks Hayland. Right. Um, and tell me they listen to Josh's uh, podcast. I will send them 
ACI for Life journal, and that's the journal with purpose, goals, actions, uh, gratitude, and daily planning. And uh, or you can go uh, on my website and and just subscribe with me and uh, put a note in there. Uh, say just say Josh Bolton, and I'll know to uh, connect with you on email and get you uh, one of these journals. So yeah, they're um, I'm very excited about it. It's going to help. I always like uh, something and and people that teach how. So it'll inspire my mind and give me a framework to improve mm-hmm. rather than just jacking me up on a podcast. And then there's no how, um, I think this journal, uh, so far has been really good. I've got lots of positive feedback on it, but first five listeners that message me on Facebook or, um, on my website, preferably, uh, they're going to get uh, one of these journals shipped to them for free. I was going to say, so how much would these normally cost? Let's say they're, so, it's later on after like the, peak. yeah, they're on the website for thirty nine ninety nine. Um, but yeah, I want to, uh, bless your life. If you're listening to this, uh, message me, I'll need your address of course. And I'll get you one of these things, uh, toot sweet. Awesome. Actually, Rick, I really do. I want to cut it there. That was awesome. Um, any other socials you want to put in and I'll email you afterward for more details and stuff for the description. No, just go to the website, CI for life, the number four in the middle there, CI for life.org. And you'll see all these ideas. Uh, there's even a free template for how to develop your purpose statement. Um, but yeah, I want to give these journals away to a listener that's keen on continuous improvement and wants to kind of work through this idea of purpose. In fact, on that same website, you can get a uh, assessment, a 30-minute free coaching call with me. And there's a place oh, wow. there to sign up if you're earnest on continuous improvement for your business and or yourself. You can also sign up for there. So there's a couple of freebies. Yeah. I mean, the time alone, that's just the 30 minutes alone with you. Uh, I just learned so much about things I need to do. So this is something very vital that they need to look into. Good, Josh. Appreciate uh, your time today. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. (laughs) Stay safe and stay well, Rick. Cheers. Cheers. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're an awesome person. Not many make it here. So... Being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.